At this time, KCICFM invites you to join us for our weekly live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church. Let's take our Bibles. We're in the book of Psalm, Psalm, Psalm 119. Psalm 119. It's been a few years since we've looked at this. Psalm 119. Verse 1, Psalm 119, 1. Blessed are the undefiled who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with a whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that our hearts would be challenged in it tonight. Lord, that we would um, have a greater love for your book and uh, incline our hearts towards it. And so, Lord, help with the preaching of the word. Pray that you would use it in our hearts tonight. May your Holy Spirit have his working and way. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, the Psalm 119 is about the word of God. And uh, matter of fact, every verse in Psalm 119, with the exception of, I found three. Psalm um, verse 90, verse 122, and verse 132 that don't mention the Word of God, but every other verse out of the 176 verses, they all but those three mention um, the Word of God. It is the longest psalm. It is, as I said, 176 verses. It's one of the, um, it's one of the acrostic psalms. I think there are nine of them all together, and uh, this is an acrostic, and it's based on the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And uh, so Aleph is the first, and that is what... Um, the first eight verses of the psalm begin with in the Hebrew. They all begin with an aleph, and uh, that's the first letter. And then Beth is the second uh, section of eight, and each of those eight verses begin with the Beth. And so um, it's, it's an alphabet psalm. It's written this way to be um, helpful for memory, and uh, if a person is going to memorize this, particularly in the Hebrew, and um, the other psalms that are acrostic psalms, you might just take note of this. It's Psalm 9, Psalm 10, 25, 34, and 37, Psalm 111, 112, and Psalm 145. And those are all acrostic psalms. The author, we don't know who the author is. Well, we do know who the author is. The author is God. But we don't know which man he used to write it. Some, some think that, boy, it just looks like David, but... Um, uh, some say, you know, this was written after the captivity, and maybe Ezra had a part in writing this. We don't know, um, but we know it is the Word of God. There's a lot of different words here for God's Word in Psalm 119. You're going to see the word law, which has the idea of his directions, or instruction, um, which speaks of the whole teaching, body of the teaching of the Word of God, um, particularly maybe in general just the whole Old Testament. Uh, there's the word word that's used to describe God's word. It's, it's God's revelation. Um, there are the sayings. It's a poetic word, a poetical word for the word word. Um, there are the commandments, uh, those authoritative um, uh, directions from the Lord. There's the statutes, the things that are um, 
um, the decrees that are given by God. They're the judgments, those judicial descending decisions, the binding laws. They're the precepts, again, these poetical injunctions from God. There are the testimonies, uh, which are his judicial, I'm sorry, the testimonies, the declaration of God's will, his uh, uh, standards of conduct, those, those test, his testimonies. Um, there are the ways, the way of God, the path of life, and uh, there's the word path, which is parallel to the way. And so here we have in the first eight verses, you'll notice in verse 2 is the word keep, and verse 4 is the word keep, and verse 5 is the word keep, and verse 8 is the word keep. Um, this is a testimony of a person who keeps the word of God. It's a testimony of one who's obedient to the word of God. And we're going to see three parts to their testimony, what they just have to say about uh, obeying God's word and uh, their love for it. And you're going to see their happiness in uh, verses 1 through 3. You're going to see their heart in uh, the next um, 4, 5, and 6. And then you're going to see their hopefulness in verses 7 and 8. And so just the happiness of those who obey the word of God. And it uses the word blessed at the beginning of verse 1 and verse 2. Blessed are the undefiled who walk in the, in the, in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with a whole heart. And the word blessed, it's a noun. And it has the idea, it comes from the word that means to go straight and to make progress. And, you know, when you, when you get out on the road and you, you, you're able to just make some progress, that's, that's happy right? We've had a few times where we've gone over to Denver, and it always seems to be with a van or two of young, loaded with uh, teenagers when we go, and we get into snowstorms, and twice now we've uh, crammed that four-hour trip into 12 to get over there. And um, the one time, I think the last time we, tr we did it, we had two vans and uh, just load, bo both loaded with teenagers going over for what, what's going to happen this next week. We were going over for the academic fine arts competition, and we got into one of those spring storms, and we got sh the freeway got shut down and shut us down in, in Vail. And, uh, and then we um, got over, finally, they, they opened up the freeway, we got over a Vail Pass, and then we got down into Silverthorne, Breckenridge, and the freeway was shut there, and you couldn't get up to the tunnel, so we had to wait around in Silverthorne for a number of hours. And then finally, we were able to get on our way up to the tunnel. And then right at the tunnel, we lost a thermostat on, our, on one of the vans, and it overheated. And it was about 11 o'clock at night at that time. And uh, so I had to send the other van down to go get the part. And... Um, and uh, fortunately, we were find, able to find an auto parts store. I think we caught them. I say 11 o'clock. I think we caught the auto parts store right before 10 o'clock when they closed down. We got the part, got up there, and, uh, and we put that thing together up at the tunnel in a snowstorm and got that all back together, got through the tunnel. And yeah, 12 hours later, we finally got back, got to our competition. But uh, wow, um, it's nice when you just have a straight road, all of the obstacles are out of the way, and you can just go. And that's the idea of the word blessed here. It's just things are straight and level, and, and you're happy. And uh, so hence, from the word comes this idea of happiness or blessedness. And uh, it's just precious. It's almost a study in and of itself when you follow this word through the Old Testament. And uh, I'm tempted to just go and start looking these up, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just 
keep my hands out and just tell you about it for just briefly, and it'll be a little quicker. Deuteronomy is the 3329, first place where the word blessed is used, and it talks about blessed, talking about Israel, blessed is, is the, are these people who are saved. And uh, then the second and third time it's found in the Old Testament is when uh, the Queen of Sheba says about Solomon, blessed are your servants that be, are able to hear your, your wisdom and, uh, that you have, and the blessing in being able to hear wisdom, the blessing of salvation, the blessing of uh, of uh, hearing God's wisdom. And then it, the fourth time it comes up in the Old Testament it is, is in Job chapter 5 and verse 17, where it talks about blessed, uh, blessed is the man that's chastened by the Lord. And that's an interesting passage. Psalm 1-1 is the fifth one. And blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delights in the law of the Lord. He's a happy man. If he watches the company he, he keeps and he is in the word of God. Um, in Psalm 2 and verse 12, blessed are those who trust the Lord. Um, Psalm, the seventh time is in Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Blessed are those whose sins are forgiven, whose iniquities are covered. And... Uh, the, David talks about the blessedness of being forgiven. Uh, and so you move on through the Old Testament and you see um, blessed are those who consider the poor. Blessed are those who, who God causes to approach to him. Blessed are those who dwell in God's house. Uh, blessed are those who uh, have God for their help. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Blessed is... Uh, is the man whose God is the Lord. So there's a lot of blessings there for people if they, if they want to seek the Lord here. But in our text right here, it says this, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. There's a blessing on purity, blessing on doing right and keeping oneself undefiled, complete, whole, uh, innocent, having integrity. It's the same word we looked at a while back when we talked about uh, Abraham, where God says to Abraham, I'm God Almighty, walk before me and be perfect, be complete, be whole, be a man of integrity, a man of innocence. Uh, it's a word that describes, this word undefiled is the word that describes the Passover lamb. It's to be a, a, an animal without blemish, without blame or spot. Um, it's, it's the idea behind be perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. In other words, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you, and pray for those who despitefully use you. Uh, and so, you know, it's the idea of having a conscience that's void of offense toward God and toward man, uh, not being a stumbling block, uh, not having some sort of uh, presumptuous sin or secret fault. It's just, it's, it's just, trying to live a clean life by the word of God. There's a blessing on that purity. There's a blessing on the path, as it says here, who walk in the law of the Lord. They, they're on a road that is in accordance with the word of God. That This is the path that they follow. They're not out for pleasure. They're not out for pragmatism. What works, do it. They're out to just say, to just follow the word of God. That's what they want to do. There's a blessing on them. Enoch was this kind of man. He walked with God. Noah walked with God. Abraham was to walk with God and be perfect. 
Um, not dishonesty, not ungodliness, not immorality or selfishness or, or venge, vengeance or profanity or pride, but just be an innocent person. And uh, so there's a blessing on uh, the path. There's a blessing on the preservation, as you see in verse 2. Blessed are they that keep his testimony and the idea of keep has the idea of guarding and watching over and um, watching over very carefully and, and cautiously. Um, it's his testimonies are his, uh, what his witness about things, his declaration of what his will is, his standard of conduct. And back in Psalm 78, it talks about the people of Israel. They didn't do this. In Psalm 78 and verse 55, he cast out the heathen also before them, Psalm 78, 55, and divided them in inheritance by line, and he made the tribes of Israel to dwell in their tents. Yet they tempted and provoked the Most High and kept not his testimonies, but turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. And they were turned aside like a deceitful bow, for they provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their graven images. And when God heard this, he was wroth and greatly abhorred Israel. And we just, we just looked at that Sunday night um, about the Lord's anger towards, towards the departure, particularly Bahaz, and then it's going to follow with, with Manasseh and some of the other kings that will come later, just their wickedness and turning the Israel away and having a part in that. So there is a blessing on these who preserve, who guard and watch over obedience to the word of God. There is a blessing on those who pursue him. Take a look at the end of verse two and that seek him with a whole heart. They just want to, they just seek the Lord, not half-hearted, whole heart. Um, you know, when you play sports and with the young people, and um, sometimes, sometimes you get those who, I mean, they're just wholehearted. Look out. I mean, they're, they're all in. And then sometimes you get those who are just half-hearted. And uh, a lot of times the half-hearted ones uh, even get some rebuke from their classmates. Hey, we're playing. Let's get after it. You're hurting the team. And uh, so this half-hearted thing, it's not good. Seek him with a whole heart. This comes up several times in Psalm 119. Verse 10, you see it. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Uh, verse 34, you see it, uh, where he says, give me, thy, give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I, I shall observe it with my whole heart. And there's other places like this. And uh, Caleb, in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 36, it was said of Caleb, and you know the passage where it is mentioned about him that he, as it says in Deuteronomy 136, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it, and to, to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon, and to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord. I mean, he went after the Lord with everything that he had. He was willing to trust the Lord. When he went and spied out the land, he says, we can do it. God will help us. And he was willing to obey the Lord. But uh, he and Joshua, but the other, the other ten, no. And so it says in the passage, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and seek him with a whole heart. By the way, Deuteronomy 4.29, 
um, Israel is going to turn back to God with their whole heart. There's a prophecy there that they will. And, uh, that pro and that same verse is played off of in Jeremiah when it says, they shall seek me and find me when they search for me with all their heart. And uh, that's not only a promise, it's a prophecy and uh, what's going to happen. So blessed are these people who, they, they are happy people who are obedient to the word of God. Number two, there is a, there is a with these people, the testimony they have a testimony of a heart for the word of God. Look in verse 4. This heart for the word of God. Their heart is seen in their acknowledgement and in their aspiration. In their acknowledgement, you see in verse 4, they acknowledge, as it says, Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. They acknowledge the mandate here that God has told us to keep his precepts to be obedient to him diligently. And I think it's interesting, as it says in verse 4, the first word of the verse, thou. He's just talking to God. It just comes out. In his meditations and is what he's thinking, he, this is all before God. It's as if to say, Lord, you've commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. That personal address to the Lord, it's kind of interesting. I was uh, thinking about this, and I saw this someplace, and then it, it occurred to me, when the unnamed servant goes and gets a, a wife for Isaac, and he prays, do you remember what happened there back in Genesis 24? So he prays, and he asks God to... As he says in his prayer, I'm in, Deuter I'm in Genesis chapter 24, verse 12. He says, O Lord God of my master, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. And behold, I stand here by the well of water and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water. Let it come to pass. He's, he's just talking to the Lord. Let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. She will say, drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for my, thy servant Isaac, and thereby shall I know that thou hast showed kindness to my master. Well, later on when he talks about this part of this event, he says back in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 45 this. He said, as he was recounting what, had, what was, had taken place, he says in Genesis 24, 44, 45, he says, and before I had done speaking... In my heart, behold, Rebekah came forth. So he wasn't speaking out loud when he was praying. He was, it was just in his heart. He was, just, he was talking to the Lord in his heart. And before he had finished all of his thoughts, there she was. And I think of this in verse 4 over in Psalm 119. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. It's just in his heart. He's just talking to the Lord. And he is acknowledging what God has commanded, that God has commanded that we keep, and there's that word keep again, that we retain it, we observe it, we perform it, we give heed to it, we treasure it up, and we, we are all about the word of God. We're real careful for it. We love it. We prize it. We memorize it. We meditate on it. We, we uh, trust in it. We obey it. We declare it. It's, just, it's the word of God. How do, you, how do you come to the Word of God? You know, we do the read through the, a number of us do the read through the Bible in a year. 
And I'll try to do, oh, four or five different readings every day. And there's always a temptation to just get the reading done and check the box. You know what I'm talking about? You just, you try to do, but, but the, it's just been impressed upon me that to take time, take the time, every word is important. And, and, as, and as you read the word of God, as you're, as you're going through that, if you, if you catch yourself with your mind wandering, maybe something, maybe something even in the passage triggers your thoughts and you start going off, who knows, off into the weeds. To just stop and say, wait a minute. I think I just missed a whole page there. I don't have a clue what I was reading. Go back and read it again. That page is important too. And don't just miss it. Um, let's take heed. Thou hast commanded us to take to keep thy precepts diligently and to guard it and to retain it and to get it. And the manner of it, it of how to do this is to do it diligently. And uh, it, the idea here is, is with, with muchness, um, exceedingly much, great degree. Um, keep it with, with muchness, with great degree. And so... What will you do with God's word? Again, I think about Ezra. He prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments, Ezra 7.10. Uh, I like what it says in Psalm 119, verse, 7, verse 97. It says, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. And to, to have that heart, his delights in the law of the Lord, to just... Be diligent about keeping the word of God. And then his aspiration. His heart for the word of God is seen in this acknowledgement in verse 4. And then in his aspiration, what he, what he desires in verse 5. I, the, first, the first letter of the verse. Oh, oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Oh, that I would just... The, the idea of where he says here, directed. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. It, that has the idea of being firm fixed. It also has the idea of the, of the direction that you go. In other words, if you will, a settled and fixed path. Oh that, my, oh, that my path was fixed to keep your word and uh, to keep your statutes. And then we talk about not just the firmness, to be, to be settled in the word of God. I, I, you know, I live in, the, in Grand Junction just like you do, and I know people, and I have neighbors and acquaintances, and, and, and I see how they live their lives. And some are Christians, and some are not. And some are Christians who live for the Lord, and some don't. And some are unsaved, and I, I want to be a witness to them. But the paths that people take, as, they, as your neighbors look at you, what do they see? Do they see a person whose ways are directed to keep the word of God? They say, you know what? There's one thing about so-and-so. They love their Bible. They love their God. And that that could be the testimony. Everybody has their path today, but this ought to be our path. To have, and to be firm in it. And um, not get some kind of burr under the saddle. Some kind, I know a dear family, and I, I appreciate them, but somewhere they were faithful, very, very faithful in their church. It wasn't this one. It was another church in town. Very faithful, 
very active, and today they don't even go to church. I watch them on Sunday morning, get out, get their bicycles, and they go biking or they go hiking, but they don't go to church. Their kids are in the ministry today. Their, their son's a, a youth pastor in a church, and uh, their daughter has a love for the Lord and serving the Lord, but, but the folks aren't doing anything. They aren't going for the Lord. They're, they, something happened, and I've tried to talk to them about it. They won't. Mm. <laughs> we don't go down that road. So they, they shut me down pretty quick. But the firmness. And then the focus. Take a look back in verse 5 and 6. Verse 6 now, he says, um, in verse 5, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. And then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. And the word respect here has this regard to look, to pay attention. When I pay attention to all thy commandments, the whole book, that's why I talked about the other day that the, 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 just to preach book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, to do the whole counsel of God. Um, and once in a while I'll do a topic, and, uh, but, you know, it's so safe, particularly for me, it's safe to just stay in the Word of God and go chapter by Because if I, if I started going topical all the time on you, it would be like one string on my guitar. I would have one, my one or two topics that, that's, you know, my string. And that you would get really tired of that. But, but when you have the word of God, it, it forces us to look at the whole counsel of God. And that is a good thing. All of it. And then, so that I'm not ashamed. And, and so that we're not ashamed. Then shall I not be ashamed when I respect, have respect unto all thy commandments. You know, someday we're going to have to stand before the Lord and give account of the things that we've done. And I was thinking of the passage in the book of Mark chapter 8. And in Mark chapter 8, it says this in verse 38. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels and you know, shame is the last thing that we want at the judgment seat. And if we are ashamed of him and his words, um, there's going to be shame at the judgment seat. And if, and if we're shame, ashamed down here, we don't want to be ashamed here and we don't want to be ashamed there. And in this verse, it says, Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments and to uh, recognize someday we're going to be judged by his word. And uh, to have a heart for the Word of God, to just love the Word of God. Um, and then number three, the hopefulness that he has in the Word. He says here in the passage in verse 7 and 8, he says, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes, O forsake me not utterly. And I'm playing off the word when, this expectation, this hope that he has that comes from the Word of God. And he has certain expectations. He's, and it's, it, it's an expectation of praise. I'm, I will praise you with uprightness of heart when I have learned thy righteous judgments. And he's expecting to give thanks and glory to God um, when, as it says here, uh, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when his heart is upright. Literally, the idea is, is leveling out the rough spots in the heart. You know, sometimes we have some things that are just perverted. They're wrong. 
Sometimes we have some bumps that are really high, that some pride that needs to be knocked down. And it's kind of like John the Baptist preached out of Isaiah, you know, the, the crooked's going to be made straight and the rough places are going to be made smooth and every valley's going to be fulfilled. And we need to prepare ourselves because the Lord is coming. Make his way straight. In other words, make his ways level. I'm going to praise thee with a level heart. I want to get my heart leveled. And when I have learned thy righteous judgments, when they're leveled and when I have learned, I've been taught like a child. I've learned the word of God. Studied to show myself approved unto God. I've been hungered for the word of God. Um, grown in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Then I'm going to be able to praise God with a right heart. There's an expectation not only of praise but of practice. And we see the fourth keep here in verse 8. I will keep thy statutes and um, this is his expectation, his love for the word of God. I'm going I'm to keep them. I'm going to be in them. And then his expectations of the presence of God. Oh, forsake me not utterly. And to have the closeness of God and the claim of God. And of course, if we're saved, we're sealed with his Holy Spirit. He will never leave us or forsake us. But you know, we can't grow distant to him. And that's why he says, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to us. That's why he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, he talks about the importance of separation from wicked things. And then he says, if we'll do this, he will be a father to us, toward us. And we will be his sons and daughters. Well, he is our father by virtue of the fact that he purchased us, John 1.12 but as many as received him, to them gave he power, the authority to become the sons of God. But, but we will sense his fathering, that he is fathering us and he is close to us if we will be obedient and be separate from the wicked things of this world and be holy both in body and spirit. We'll sense his fathering is the idea in that passage in 2 Corinthians 6. He will be to us a father. And uh, so... In this passage of Scripture, verse 8, I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. His expectations of being close to the Lord and, and the Lord not withdrawing from him. Like, you know, remember Asa, if, you're, if, you're, if you forsake me, I'll forsake you. If you, if you, you keep close to me, I'll keep close to you. And, uh, and we, we don't want to be distant from him. Certainly he's in us. And certainly he's our father, but we don't want to have a distant relationship with him. We want, to be, we, want to, we want to be close. And he'll be close to us if we are close to his word. And um, what a precious thing that is, that hopefulness that comes from the word of God. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would give us a hunger for it here at Pear Park. And uh, that we would be known as people of the word. That we would know the word. We'd be in the word, love the word, obey the word, and uh, teach and give the word out that others might hear and be saved. And so, Father, I pray that you would make that our, our heritage here, the word of God. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our weekly live broadcast from Pear Park Baptist Church. We pray the service was a blessing to all our listeners. Our earnest prayer is that you personally have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Romans 6 and verse 23 tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Romans 10:13 tells us, For whosoever shall call 
upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you'd like to trust Christ, you must first believe that you're a sinner, deserving of God's judgment, and that Christ died to pay God's penalty for your sin, and that he rose again from the dead. Then you may, right now, pray, and according to Romans 10.13, call upon God and ask for salvation through Jesus Christ. If you've made a decision to trust Christ, let us know. The number of the offices at Fair Park Baptist Church is 434-4113. Someone's generally available to take calls during regular weekday business hours. In addition, the best means to spiritual help and growth is through faithful attendance at a Bible-believing church. We would encourage you to be at the very next service of Fair Park Baptist Church. Our weekly prayer meeting and Bible study is at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Sunday schools at 10 o'clock a.m. Sunday mornings with the worship service at 11 and at 6.30 p.m. the evening service. Fair Park Baptist Church is a fundamental Bible-preaching and Bible-believing church located here in Grand Junction at 3102 E Road. And once again, we appreciate your joining us for this live broadcast of Pear Park Baptist Church.